1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to read verses 12 through 27. For as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. So the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. In spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. In spite of this, it still belongs to the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed each one of the parts in one body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? Now there are many parts, yet one body. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. But even more, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary. And those parts of the body that we think to be less honorable, we clothe those with greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have a better presentation. But our presentable parts have no need of clothing. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable. So that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member member suffers... All the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Father, bless the reading of your word. So we're going to talk about we are the church. I'm going to turn him loose now. I'm going to cut him loose. We're going to talk about we are the church. I want to read you a statement. The church is not made up only of believers who seek to be like Christ, do as Christ, serve as Christ, worship the Father like Christ, and seek to save the lost like Christ. It is also made up of people struggling with their faith, people who are selfish at times, people who many times don't do like Christ in all things, people who sometimes fail to serve, It's made of brand new believers who hadn't gotten off the milk yet. In other words, the church is simply made up of those who have believed on Jesus Christ. People like us, faithfully following at times and struggling at others. We are the church because of what Jesus Christ has done for us and in us. And we're all on some point along the path of maturation. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it's glorious. All the time, it is amazing grace. I posted that statement on Facebook earlier this week, and it was prompted by a discussion that I was having with a group of pastors, and they were talking about uh, the church. And uh, honestly, some of what was happening was they were talking about the changing times and how that the church seems to be trying to reinvent itself and all this. And I said, we got to define what is the church then? What are we talking about? There's a lot of nostalgia that goes in. You know, all of us, and I'm, I'm already finding, I'm not old yet. I know, I know there's a lot of white going on right now, you know, in the hair and all this, but 
but I'm not old yet. Yet, because I hope to get there. But I catch myself already starting to sound like my grandparents. <laughs> and there's this commercial on TV right now that really bothers me. I mean, it, just, it really bothers me. Because it's a guy and, and his wife sitting there, and it's like she's talking to the camera, and he's in the background. And it, and it shows a picture of his mom. And, and she has like these glasses. I had some when we got married. Our wedding photo has the most horrendous glasses that I have on. It, it, it defines the term nerd. It was there. I was at the eye doctor yesterday, and I looked at some glasses, and I said, I don't care if it's coming back or not. It ain't coming back to me. No. Because I have a photo that looks like that, and it's bad. And it's the only one I got because it's my wedding photo. I mean, glasses like this big. They were cool back then, I think. That's what I told myself. But I, I catch myself when I'm talking to Caleb or, or if I'm talking to people, and I'll be like, well, I remember when. And I'm going, oh, my goodness. And in that commercial, this guy is, he starts, all of a sudden his glasses have the little chain on them. And then you can see that on his mom's glasses in it. And then he's got like, I think he's got like his pants pulled up to about right here, you know, and it looks like those stretchy polyester pants and, and his mom's got those on in the picture. And they're talking and something about that you don't have to become your parents or something like that. But I'm, as I'm watching it, I'm like, that's not even funny. That's not. I mean, it kind of is, but, but that's not funny. Because I keep, I, I catch myself telling stories. I don't mean lies. I'm, you know, I'm talking about, you know, I tell some story out of my past. I remember when this happened. And then something, you know, occurs and you go, oh, I remember one time when. How many of y'all been doing that? Let's be honest. Yeah. So some of y'all not old enough to be doing that stuff yet, like me. But you're already starting to tell stories. So I was listening. I was talking with these guys and communicating with these guys about church. And so they were telling stories. And they would, oh, I remember when church was like this. And I remember, and it just seems like we're trying to reinvent the church. And I don't know if God would recognize his church if he came back today. And I said, okay, all right, I, need to, I just need to weigh in and clarify something. I'm not sure what we're talking about. Because if we're talking about that the church seems to be reinventing because the music style is a little different or because of how people dress or whatever else, or that's just methods. That's just things. That, those are inanimate objects. That's not the church because that, how the building looks or, or whether somebody's wearing a suit, which obviously I'm not, and obviously I don't. Um, you can get set free over that. It's all right. Because uh, I did, so it's okay. I told some folks here we were talking, I think, here one of the last Sunday nights, and I said, you know, it dawned on me at one time in a conversation about that. And somebody said, oh, I just don't think it's right. You know, you come into God's presence, and you need, to, you need to wear your very best. I said, fantastic. So if you have something major happen in your life, and you're at work, do you go, hey, guys, I got to go because I can't pray because I got to go home and put a suit on because <laughs> I can't come into God's presence if I don't get... <laughs> that ain't the way it works. If it starts happening, I'm crying out for God right then, right there. I don't care if I'm in the shower. I don't care if I'm out mowing the grass. It doesn't matter. So, so, if, so if I don't have to go get my suit on to get into God's presence, then I'm not all that worried about that. Because that, what you're going to bring that's the best before God, you can dress up to the nines. I'm not against that. I mean, dress up if you want to dress up. I say you've got freedom to do that. But you can dress to the nines. 
and come in God's presence and your heart just be full of anger and bitterness and everything else and nobody ever know. I'd much rather that what we bring and the best thing that we can bring to God is us. Just bring us, okay? So these guys were talking a lot about these things, these external things of how how, uh, church was changing and all that stuff and and I said, man, none of that is the church, the people of the church. And by the way, yeah, God's going to recognize his church because they're his sheep. Okay. And, and he knows them and he has called them and he has no problem recognizing them. He may not like a lot of what we're doing sometimes, but he recognizes us. You know, God's not up there going, wait a minute. You know, he acted a little angry today. Is that one of my guys? I, I, I can't remember. Somebody check the book. Is that my guy? That's not the way it's happening. I mean, if, if you're out in public and your child starts acting a fool, not that this has ever happened. And not that you ever did it when you were a child, right? What was that? We were somewhere, we were somewhere and somebody made a comment about they saw somebody's kid doing something and they said, man, I bet I acted like that sometime. Kid was, just, you know, just raising a ruckus. And they said, I, I guarantee you. And so now I, re- it was, it was, I think it was Caleb. We were somewhere, and some kid was doing something, and he told us, he said, I realize now how foolish that looked. I'm going to praise God if he gets that at 17. Yes, blessed be the name of the Lord. Deliverance is coming to our house. You know? No. I'm 42, and I'm still trying to get that. But when your kids started acting a fool in public, you didn't go, wait a minute. Hey, honey, is that our kid? You know, because they're acting a little wild. Hey, is, is that our kid? Now, I know how some of y'all did, because I know what Ruthie would be doing. Ruthie would be going, I know you're not my kid in acting like that. Right? Right? And then she probably went, you know, something, because I can't speak any of that Spanish stuff. I mean, I can, you know, taco and enchilada and, and you know, comprende porquita, you know, you know, some of that stuff. But she'd probably be saying something, and then the kids be like, hey, you better straighten up, because mama, mama getting up on, is firing up. Is about to get hot in the kitchen. But she still recognized them. She was just telling them, I don't recognize you acting like something I didn't raise you to be. So, so I'm telling these guys, I'm going, hey, look, God doesn't have a problem recognizing the church. We're the church. It's just he looks at us and says, hey, some things need to change. I, one of the things that, that I realize is we need people around us to have a clear understanding of what the church is. Okay. And I want people to have a clear understanding of what this church is, all right? Because I'm not responsible for any other churches. I'm responsible for this. I I want people to understand what this church is. So two important things that we need to recognize and grasp. Number one, I know this is going to shock you, but we are all different. I know, I know. Gasp. Oh, my goodness. It's like they're watching the old Batman show, you know, when it's biff, bam, pow, and all of a sudden it was like, ooh. I heard you. It was all inside you. You didn't let it out, but I knew it was there. We're all different. And one of the key things that we need to understand about God's church is he didn't say that everything had to be uniform. He just said we had to be in unity. So uniform means, all right, Bird works at Honda. So if we, if we talk about everybody's wearing a uniform, what does that mean? Everybody, they all look the same. They got them white pants on. They got them white jackets on. They, they got the little bump caps on and all that stuff. You can spot somebody now out in public. You know. Hey, they work at Honda. You see them from behind. They work at Honda. 
right? Because of uniform. They're, they're, they're supposed to look consistent. They're going to look the same. But God never said that what he was calling us to was uniformity. Not in, in who we are and our personalities and all of those things. But we do come together in unity. We do come together and we operate together. The second thing that we have to understand is that God does create certain similarities and standards for us. Now, those two things are not in conflict with each other. That God has made us all different, but yet then it creates certain similarities and standards for us. Here, here's why. Just like this passage that we just read, you've got a hand and you've got a foot. They're not uniform, right? But they work together in unity. All right, because if you need to get a shoe on and it's got shoelaces and you need, then you need your hands to help your feet. They're not uniform, but they operate in unity. I heard a pastor here recently talk about, it. he said, you can want to get to the door and your foot can take you there. But if your hand won't turn the doorknob or push the door, you stuck. See, so uniformity is not what we're called to, but unity is what we're called to. But what if those two things decided they didn't want to coexist in harmony? Your hand says, I tell you what, you can figure out how to get that shoe on tight yourself. Foot. Because you a foot. You don't look like me. I mean, you kind of look like me. You know, I was at the eye doctor yesterday and, and uh, you know, they had dilated my eyes and all that stuff. And some of y'all got great joy out of seeing that picture because they had little drop in sunglasses. You know, and they had a little like little horn rim, you know, thing sticking out over here. I took a picture just so y'all could see it because I don't mind sharing with y'all. You know, no shame in my game. And so I'm in there and, and, and I made the eye doctor laugh because um, she's doing this stuff of, you know, how many fingers am I holding up and all this. And, and so she's doing like this, you know, so I'm two, you know, I had one eye covered, you know, two, you know, one. I said, five. And she, I said, no, that's not right. She was like, huh? I said, four and an opposable thumb. And, and she started laughing. She said, yes, I guess technically you are correct. <laughs> you know, so you can look at your hand and go, well, you know what? If I look at my foot too, okay, yeah, there, there's some similarities there, right? There's some similarities, but they're just not the same. I share with people when it comes to this concept about music. Music is not about uniformity. That'd just be everybody sings the exact same note. And we only play one note on the piano. We play the same note on the guitar. And, and I guess the drums got to tune to that note if we're going to be in uniformity. And he only plays when everybody else plays. That's uniformity. Harmony is not uniformity. Harmony is different notes that complement each other. But when you take and put all of those different notes together in the upper register of a piano, in the lower register of the piano, you do all of that stuff, you get this amazing thing. Then what if you take and you start adding some other instruments? And then all of a sudden you add a, a, you know, a 200-piece orchestra to it. My goodness, they're not playing the same thing. You got a, you've got a percussionist that may be over here, and he's doing, he's got little chimes, and he's got all kind of little bongos and all this stuff. He's doing one thing over here. You got a guy over here with a big old bass drum. He's doing something. You got a guy over here with a timpani, and he's boom, 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 boom. You got all this stuff going on. Everybody's playing their part, and it complements to each other. It's not uniform, but it comes together to create this beautiful masterpiece. 
Think back to when you first began to learn about Jesus. Now, I'm intentionally not asking you to think back to when you got saved. That's not what I'm asking you to do. Because some of you, you had been churched for a long time before you accepted Christ. Okay? So you, you knew some stuff. You, you had a level of knowledge about some religious stuff. Religious stuff. But you didn't personally know Jesus. So I want you to reflect back to when you first began to learn about him. Now I'm talking about this may have been when you were a very young child. Some of you, it may have been when you were 30. You weren't raised in church. You didn't. Sometimes that's an advantage. But anyway, yeah, I, didn't even get, I didn't get an amen or anything off of that one. I was raised in church my whole life. Sometimes that's harder because you know all the right stuff to say. You know all the right ways to act. You know, you know the game. Let's just be honest. But when you first started learning about Jesus, when, when you first started, even as a child, there was so much that you didn't know, right? You didn't know how to dress for church. You didn't know how people acted at church or how they talked at church. But it wasn't too long, if you weren't careful, till you figured out, let's just be honest, that sometimes the way people acted and talked at church was not the same way that they acted and talked when they were away from church. Okay? By the way, that's one of the reasons why we don't really try to look and act churchy here. Can I get an amen? amen. Because I, I don't want those things to become an obstacle to people getting to Jesus. Oh, I can't dress nice enough. Well... You know, I can't do this well enough, or I, it's not like this. Man, look, God's walking with you every step of the way. And, and the greatest respect you're ever going to show God is not coming in and being real quiet during church and, and worrying about that your kids might make some noise or something like that or whatever. Look, that, that's not the greatest respect you're, you're going to give God. He's all good with that kind of stuff. He got angels flying around. You just go, go and read the Bible. He's got, they're flying around saying, holy, 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 and all this stuff. They're talking all the time while the man's trying to do stuff. Let's just be honest. They're making noise all the time. So we ain't worried about that. We ain't worried about your kids. We ain't worried about any of that other stuff. It'll be all right. Now, if you want to snatch a knot in them, you know, you go ahead, do your thing. You know, but, but it's not going to phase us. You know why? Because the greatest respect that we're going to give him is, is our efforts to continue to try to become more like him. Amen. And that's not going to happen in here. You may hear about it. You're going to learn about it. You're going to see it. You're going to, but you're going to walk that out outside of here. You can act great in here. Man, you can have everybody convinced that there's nothing going wrong in your life. You're doing fantastic. Everything's good. You weren't fussing and fighting on the way here. You didn't act like a jerk to your boss this week at work. You know, all that stuff. You can come in and be like, hey, guys, man, I'm so glad to be here. God is so good. You know? I mean, if that's what you want to do, go at it. But what really matters is what's going to happen outside of here. How are you going to walk? How are you going to live? How are you going to let God do stuff in your life? I want, I want to give you this. You, you certainly didn't know much about what that lifestyle should look like to be a child of God, right? I mean, and, and that's one of the things that causes more people to leave church initially is because that, that they don't know. And then other people get judgmental, Right? Somebody's new, somebody, somebody's, you know, they're new to the faith, 
they don't know stuff yet. And then you got your own personal list. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get off in and messing something today if I'm not careful. You know, you got your personal list of stuff that you don't think people ought to do. You can't really back it up in the Bible, but you got your personal list. This is not my message today. But, and so you start imposing that on people. And for new believers, that's hard. Because you start looking at them going, oh my goodness, you ought to stop doing this and you ought to have this stopped and you ought to stop and that ought to all be by next week. How dare you come up in here and you, you accidentally dropped a word. Don't nobody get mad at me this morning now. Don't get mad at me. I want to use an example. I'm going to pick on Josh and Mandy. <laughs> no, I'm not going to pick on them. Look, because they got, they got Bryant... You know, a little man, and they got Jason, and then we got, we got Josh and Manny. This, this is Josh and Manny. Raise your hand. This is Josh and Manny. Everybody wants to know. That's Josh and Manny. Brian and them's already gone. If we looked at Brian, Brian's part of their family, right? We, we believe that at the moment, right? No, I'm not saying there's a question about that. That's not what I'm saying. We're doing the illustration here. I don't know what y'all were thinking. So if we look at Brian, and we said, hey, Every person in the family should look like Bryant. They should be his size. They should have his knowledge level. They should have his physical abilities. If he became the standard for what, if you don't look like him, then you're obviously not part of their family. Then we would turn around and look at Josh and say, Josh is not part of the family. Because Josh is way bigger than he is. Josh got a different, he's got different physical abilities. He's got different knowledge levels. They got to be just like Bryant. Well, Mandy must not, she's not part of the family. Jason's not part of the family, although she's closer because she's a lot shorter. She's closer in size to him, but she's a girl and he's a boy, so she's not part of the family, right? If we picked anybody else in their family and said, oh, they become the standard for if you don't look like them, you're not part of the family, then the family gets real small real quick. And that's what's happening in the faith community is we're picking each other out even and saying, you know what, well, if you don't look exactly like I look and if you don't do the things exactly the way I do and all this, then you're not part of the family. And so therefore, those people in that church over there, they're not part of the family. And these people, that they, they came in, you know what, they don't look like us or act like us or talk like us. They're not part of the family. And so people have started, they go, oh, no, I wouldn't really say that. Sure I do because you won't fellowship with them. No, our church couldn't do anything with their church because they don't believe exactly like we do. So, so are you saying they're not part of the family? Is that what you're saying? If that's not what we're saying, then why can we not fellowship? Oh, see, nobody wants to... You get a, you get a few responses. God's family, God's church is no different. We come into it and we're like a little child. All right, we're coming into something that's new. We're coming into something that we don't have experience in. We're having to learn. Our actual experience with God is just beginning. Our knowledge is just starting to firm up. Our growth as a believer has been initiated, but man, we've got a long way ahead of us. Over time, we start maturing. We start to learn more. We start to get more experience. We apply more. We master more. We change more. It takes a period of time. And so... Just like looking at, at a family and we look at God's church and we see that it should be filled up with people that are at various stages of growth. If it's not, there's something wrong. 
Think about it. If, if a family, if you go to a family reunion and there are no young children and no young couples, what's happening? You're dying off. Oh, I know we don't like to talk about this kind of stuff, but some of y'all, you old enough, you've already made it far. You, you've, and the rest of us are hoping to get there, and there's some folks in between. See, look at this. Look around this morning. Now, don't point to the people that you think are the older people. <laughs> but <laughs> don't do it. But there's some older people. There's some old, old people. Did you just say that? Wow. Older, old Nearly old, wants to be old, kind of just born. Wow. I was not going to say old. I was just using older because that's just a you know, point of reference. But old is just like descriptive. It's fixing to get hot in the kitchen. <laughs> that's the way it should be, right? There should be people here today that have been serving Christ and have been following him for decades. There should be people here that have been serving Christ and following him for years. It'd be great if there were people here who had been following Christ for weeks. Right? Because that means then that, that your family is growing. It's not going to die off. The church is not going to die off in that process. Some people are still going to be stumbling through mistakes. They're going to stumble through actions and speech and habits and thoughts that are immature. And yes, at times it's even going to be unchristlike. It's just the truth. In the middle, there's all these people that are somewhere, they're between the two ends of the spectrum. They're, they're kind of like young adults. I still consider myself a young adult. I don't care what y'all think. I still consider myself a young adult. You know, we're, we're, we've learned enough to not do some of the foolish stuff that we did when we were 14 or 15. Somebody always reminds me of me riding on the hood of Dennis's Jeep, mud riding on the hood, hanging on to the two square latches with my fingers. Yeah, that was, that was dumb. That was like dumb as a rock kind of dumb. And now he's our visitor card guy. If he ever tells you, come ride in my Jeep, just say no. <laughs> just say no. I was young and foolish and didn't think about being a musician and having my fingers hooked in it. That was, that was a... Oh, anyway. <laughs> but, but now we've learned, all right, we don't do some of those things. But we still got things that we're struggling. And I can guarantee you, it doesn't matter how old you are or how much experience you have, there's still some things that then... It happens, or you do them, and you say them, and you go, oh, I knew better than that. But you still did it. You just hope not do it the next time. And you know what? The family of God sometimes is messy. And it should be. It should be. I thought about this. Kids are sometimes messy. Some of you would say kids are all the time messy. But kids are messy sometimes, right? Maybe most of the time. Some wives in here would say, and so are husbands. Can I get an amen? amen. Oh my goodness, it was long and drawn out. I heard the amen. 
That sounded like when we used to sing that song in church. Amen. 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 All the ladies just went, Amen. And all the guys are going, what? I was coming back to it. And the wives are going, three days later? And he goes, yeah, I've been busy. Come on, you know it's true. Kids, they're messy. They'll spill stuff. They'll trip. They'll stumble. They'll fall down. Right? What do we do? We pick them up. We dust them off. We teach them how to avoid the cause of the problem. And we do it time and time and time again, right? The church should be where that that we look and we go, yeah, everybody's not going to have it all together. My goodness, even those of us that may seem like we've got it together, at some point in time something happens and all of a sudden we don't have it together. It's a struggle and and we're challenged and, and we thought we had everything ordered and everything was in line and then something happens that just totally changes that and we need each other. I thought about the fact that Paul reminded us here. He said, one part of the body can't say, I don't need that other part. That's, that's, that's what's so easy to happen. That's why, that's why little cliques develop in churches. That's why you know, people start getting separated because they go, oh, we don't need those people over there. Really? If, if God put people together in one local representation of the body of Christ, by the way, that's what a church is. It's just a local representation of the larger body of Christ. If God put those people together for some period of time, you honestly think you don't need each other? You think God somehow made a mistake? That God's like, you only need these four people in church. You don't need those other people. You don't need to get to know them. You don't need to get to find out something about them because you don't need them. Really? But, you know, we struggle with this. We struggle with this in our own families. How many times... Have you shown up maybe at a family reunion and it's somebody from across town and you go, man, I ain't seen you since the last family reunion. That's terrible. We need to get together sometime. We'll do something about it then. Oh, nobody said amen to that. I mean, we had a, we had a, a, a funeral this week. My dad's church had a funeral this week. If you drive past the funeral home at any point in time, there's funerals happening all the time. How come it is that we go to funerals and we see people there and go, my goodness, we need to get together because the only time I see you is when something like this is happening. We need to get together. What's she going to do about it? Because what inside what we've determined is we see each other and realize, you know what, we really need each other. We really need to get family together. We really need to be able to maintain the the stories of our grandparents and the stories of our great-grandparents and all these things. But then we go back to our lives because down inside and and down deep, we haven't convinced ourselves that we really need each other. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to just just my four, me, my four, no more type of thing. So... We bring that into church. We're not doing it with our families. And I'm saying we, guys. We're not doing it with our families. And, and then we wonder why we don't act any differently when we come into the body of Christ. And so we, we get a handful of people, and that's, it. that's about it. That's what happens. That's not the way that God wanted the body to operate. And Paul said this. Is, I, one part of the body can't say to the other, I don't need that other part. I thought about when you go into kindergarten. 
when, when you get to kindergarten, there's some things that you can already do. All right? The average child can already do this stuff. They can already run. They can already kick a ball. They can jump. They can climb the monkey bars, right? In fact, most of the teachers that say they try to climb a lot of stuff in the classroom. Amen? You know? So, so legs and, and, and a lot of motor skills, big muscle motor skill stuff is all good. Kicking the ball. You can go out and play on the yard. But what about if nobody's really worked with them that much before they get to kindergarten about riding? They can kick a ball. They may be super athletic. But then they start trying to write letters. Now, let's just be honest. Now, y'all remember. Because you remember having to write on that paper where the line was like about that big, right? You know, had like three lines on the whole page. And then got the little dotted line in the middle. Because, you know, that's where you could do the, the lowercase letters. You just go up there and touch the lines. All right? And, and they would start drawing. We could use you if you wanted to, but let's just be honest. The kids are in church, so we can talk about the kids. All right? They, they start drawing. When they first started doing it, you know that that stuff was something that only a mother could love. <laughs> right? I mean, because you would, you would have to ask them, what is that? What's that letter right there, baby? That's an A. Oh. Oh. What's that right there? That's an H. Oh. Oh, just keep working at it, baby. Just keep working at it, right? And so, because that early on, so they had a lot of skills developed that they could, they could go over here and kick a ball and all that stuff, but the hand wasn't coordinated enough to do that finite motor skill stuff. I mean, it just was bad, you know? And right letters backwards. I mean, the picture of it is right there above it. The B goes this way, and they draw it that way, right? Now, see, y'all laughing because you think I'm not setting you up for something. But look, I was talking to my dad yesterday. I went out there to see him, and, and he, uh, he told me, he said, man, we gotta go mow, I got to go mow grass before, the, uh, before the, the, the storm hits and it starts raining too much. I said, okay. He said, but my phone's only got like 48% battery. He said, I need some way to hook up to my lawnmower battery and charge my phone. And I said, Dad, you just need to get one of those little portable battery packs and, you know, and you just charge it. He said, well, I got this case on my phone that has a battery in it, but I don't know how to make it work to charge my phone. I said, why not? Now, my dad's a pastor. <laughs> My dad's been pastoring for, he's been at his church for 40 years. I had to think, it was when I was two when we went there, for 40 years. I said, why do you not know how to work it? He said, well, I bought it at one of those woodworking shows, and it's really good, but I hadn't read the instructions. I said, my goodness, Dad, why don't you tell everybody at church tomorrow, I know why you can't live right, because you won't read the instructions. I said, but you can't do it because you'll have to tell them you'll have to hold up your phone and use it as an example and say, hey, the pastor won't read how. I said, so you got no power. And oh, just anyway. I said, I better leave now. <laughs> You're wondering how come you ain't got no power, but you won't read the instructions. It's right there. It's been there the whole time. You've done surrounded your phone with it, but you don't know how to use it because you won't read the instructions. I said, my goodness. I said, you can preach that for free, Dad. (laughs) 
Look, we'll, we'll sit there and look at that stuff that kids do, and we'll go, wait a minute, I said, the bee is right there above it. Just draw us right there. But you know what? God's sitting here telling us stuff. God's telling us what the, what the church ought to look like. He's telling us that the body shouldn't be rejecting other parts of the body. He's telling us that stuff, but yet we're still struggling with it. Maybe if we just read the instructions. And, and we'd look at the model that he's already put up there and go, we need to look like that. It wouldn't be reasonable for the feet of that kindergartner to say to the hand, we don't need you because we can kick a ball and we can climb and we can jump, but you're not any good at what you're supposed to be doing yet, so we don't need you. It would be unreasonable for that to happen because the feet have a purpose and they've got a, 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 a specific task that they're going to do and they may be further along than that, but they need to support the hand. They need to take the hand to school every day. Get you there. So it can learn, so it can grow. Don't be trying to take it somewhere else. It's really just a matter of growth, of practice, and of development. And I want our city to know. I want our city to know that the body of Christ is not made up of perfect, fully mature, mistake-free people. I hope there's some out there somewhere. I've been in church my whole life. I'm still waiting to meet one. It's like Sasquatch. They're the Christian Sasquatch. I've never seen a, even a, phase, a faded, fuzzy picture of, of the perfect Christian. You know, because I don't even trust these paintings and stuff that people say looks like Jesus because the Bible says that there wasn't anything that was beautiful about him that would make people want to come to him. So we always paint him up white. And by the way, he wasn't white. He was Jewish. But, but we always paint, you know, so that means he'd be olive skinned and not. But I, I look, I don't want to hurt anybody's perceptions this morning, you know, I mean. But, but we get all these pictures and, and he's, he's the most handsome guy you've ever seen. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that there wasn't anything comely about his appearance that would make people be drawn to him. For, for people in his day and age, he was probably a short, squatty guy that had a big nose, olive skin, wasn't all that great of looking. All right? I don't want people to get a picture of what you have to look like in order to be in church. Church, in the sense of coming to this place, is just us coming together to help one another. We come together to worship together. We come together to encourage each other. We come together to teach each other and to hold each other up during the difficult times, to celebrate with each other. That's what he said. He said if, if one part of the body is, is, is mourning or is hurting or whatever, then it all hurts. He said, but if it celebrates, if it's rejoicing, then it all needs to rejoice. That's why everything that we should be doing should be trying to push us toward operating as a body and not just operating as some kind of units. It's not the musicians. It's not the people that aren't musicians. It's, not, it's the body of Christ coming together to achieve something together, which is according to God's plan. So as I stated in that Facebook post, I want to read it to you again. The church is also made up of people struggling with their faith. People who are selfish at times. People who many times don't do like Christ in all things. People who sometimes fail to serve. It's made of brand new believers who hadn't gotten off the milk yet. In other words, 
Church is simply made up of those who have believed on Jesus Christ. See, if the church has to be made up of people who do certain things, if that's the definition, then it's a works-based religion. And, and I'm never going to be able to be good enough, and, and you aren't either, to be able to earn our salvation or to be able to say, I should get into heaven because of what I've done. I will only be able to stand before God and say, God, I stumbled and I fell, and at times I embarrassed myself. I may have embarrassed you. But I can only ask and say that, that I should come into your heaven because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me. That, that you bore the stripes, Jesus, for my healing. That you died so that I could die to sin. That you rose again three days later so that I could be raised to walk in newness of life. I didn't do any of those things. I didn't do a single one of them. All I do is I, I, I simply look and I see and I understand that this is what Jesus did. And I, and I say, God, yeah, I, I see. I mean, how many, look, how many can just be honest and say, yes, I have done some bad things before. Can I get We're not talking about like you. You ain't got to say, oh, I raised my hand, you know, because I, I committed some mass murder or anything like that. That may be too, but. The Bible said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All. Didn't say, you know, some of y'all are a lot worse sinners than what the rest of us were. That's not what he said. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But then he who knew no sin became sin that we might become his righteousness. That's what the word says. Who makes up the church? See, the church didn't truly come into existence until Christ. This body of Christ, this church didn't come into existence until Christ came along. Because it's, it's his church. And it's after his death and his resurrection and all that stuff. I, I always think it's one of the neatest things. Because maybe I could just say I think this guy is like one of the charter members. Three crosses on a hill. Jesus there. One thief says, look, if you're the man, why don't you do something about this? Get us all down from here. And the other guy says, dude, shut up. <laughs> this guy, this is, he's not like us. He hasn't done like we've done. We did wrong. And he looks at Jesus and he says, hey, when you get back to your home that's not here, I just wish you'd just think about me. Just, just remember me. And Jesus looks and says, I'll do you one better. Today, you'll be with me in my house. I think he's like a charter member. Right there. 
dude didn't get baptized. Now, you just hear me. I mean, it'd have been great if he had had an opportunity to, but dude didn't get baptized. He didn't come stand before the church. He didn't start dressing right. He was probably pretty much stripped naked, hanging on, on these crosses, just beaten and, and bloodied and everything else. None of this stuff. It's just a guy who believes on Jesus. Because becoming part of the family, becoming part of the family starts, is initiated, is completed with believing on Jesus. Now, when you become part of the family, now yes, we look at each other, you look at your kids sometimes and say, hey, act like you know who you are. Right? But even when they act up, you don't make them change their name. <laughs> you don't tell them you can't be part of the family. All right? But, but you know that as they grow and they mature, they're going, they, they, they shift more and more to honoring that and honoring their name and honoring who they are. And, and the older we get, the more that we sometimes look back and realize either I need to change my family history, it needs to start afresh with me, or else I need to honor it and I need to carry that on in a positive way. One way or another, I need to do what's right. But you're still part of the family. We are the church because of what Jesus Christ has done for us and in us. And we're all at some point along that path of maturing. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it's glorious. All the time, it is amazing grace. For we are the church. I want you to say that with me. We are the church. Let's pray.